Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just think the NBA is going to need a more compelling regular season product going forward if it doesn't want to end up as sort of the blockbuster video. Uh, Man. You know, athletics, no, listen, it, wow. it, it is doing fine, but Paul can attest to this. Like the regular season, kind of dull. Players kind of phone it in, especially this time of the season. I want to make it more meaningful. I want games in which players are healthy. I agree. Games in which players are rested, in which they're motivated, where the matchups seem a little special, where maybe teams only do see each other two or three times a season. It's such a long season that guys were like, okay, we'll rest this week, we'll pick it up back next week. Maybe the schedule's too long. And and maybe we got to take a fresh look at how we structure the season. The fan has to be first, and at the end of the day, the, the, the fans vote every day by deciding whether to listen to your telecast or watch us on television or buy tickets. And i got to be very careful here. This is a fragile ecosystem. And if ultimately the fans are saying, we're not going to pay for those games or we're not going to watch those games where your players aren't playing. A smart general manager, smart head coach is going to rest, guys. The way to solve that problem is to shorten your schedule. The problem is if you shorten your schedule, it's going to be less money. This is going to be less TV money. Okay. How many guys are going to give up some cash? Number one hustler getting money. Why you want to count my money? I'm a hustler, no need. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 80, where I'm joined with the Filipino wrecking machine himself, Christian Wolfgang Graffin, and just right across from him is Gregory, the king of Cyprus, Yoshadis. Boys, how you doing? Doing great. I doing thought I was the Cypriot assassin. Yeah, I thought it was a Filipino warrior. Uh, what's my nickname? Do I get a nickname? Mexican Brandon. You're Brandon, you're the host. I'm the host. I'm the greatest host in the world. Um, boys, weird day today. There was a guy roaming downtown Toronto just pouring buckets of diarrhea on people. That's kind of upsetting. Uh, it's actually... It was that here, where we're recording, isn't it? Was yeah, it, it actually happened at a UFT library. Uh, then it happened on College Street. And then it happened at a, at a York library. It was Christian. That's why he's late for the podcast. He was just pouring shit on people. And it was, uh, and it was, it, it, it was from a construction site, I think is where... He got it from. He sourced the poop. He had a for- big, dude had a big smile on his face, too. Looked like he was enjoying what he was doing. Let him do it. If he's happy, he's happy, right? That's what life's all about. I, I want to know how no one like chased him down after. Like If I saw someone throw a bucket of shit 
on like an innocent dude sitting there reading a book. I'd probably like right, but, s- but you know, mo- I'd, I'd be like you know mob mentality on him. Like get him. But know? what if he's like running down the street? The th- maybe he's like pulling out like just like like pieces of shit from his like breast pocket. Like he's got pockets full of poop and he has like secret poop stash to throw back at you. Oh man, that's a good point. You got to think about that. Okay. Um, Damn. Also, saw a fantastic movie yesterday called Dragged Across Concrete. You know who starred in that movie? Mm. Mel Gibson and fucking Vince Vaughn. Mel Gibson? When was this movie made? Last year. Or this year, actually. It was fantastic. So, Mel Gibson and who? Vince Vaughn. Swingers. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. No. Vegas, baby. I just Vegas. Can't, those guys like fell in the obscurity. I think Vince Vaughn just like complete like... Oh. Mel Gibson lost all his good looks, right? Yeah, no, it wasn't that man. He, I know right? what you it know what was. he. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, speaking of hitting rock bottom, uh, the Toronto Raptors had a big win over the Philadelphia 76ers yesterday in a very poor performance. Joel Embiid put up a big donut, zero for points. Marcus All obviously did a fantastic job of guarding him in the perimeter. I'm sorry, in the low post. Um, what are your takeaways from the guy, the game, guys? Any uh, any hot takes? Any sort of uh... well, I. I'm going to make my comments about some of the coverage of that game uh, known in our final segment, just sponsored by, not sponsored by Diamond Pizza. Oh, by the way, uh, big shout out to Miku for creating our awesome intro. The we're going to we're going to be talking about the uh, the the changes to the uh, the proposed schedule and playoff format changes very soon. Um, that's something we'll be discussing later on. But continue with the Raptors talk. But it's a huge win. Um, it's because it's a game. You know, it is just one game out of 82, but those types of games, rematch games, games against uh, other contenders, right? It was also actually uh, a game where the Raptors, uh, if they won, they would tie the record for most consecutive wins against uh, divisional opponents. So now they're tied with, um, I believe it's the Utah Jazz during like the Stockton Stockton Malone Malone era, right? Um, So I I think that that's pretty cool, like, because we've. We really have been, and this is what I said a couple weeks ago on the podcast, how we beat who we're supposed to beat for many years now. We've been dominating the 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 Atlantic. It's nice to be the LeBron to someone else, you know. Like LeBron was our crux the whole time. Yeah, and now we, and now are, we seem to be that. We are the LeBron to Philadelphia. They just yeah. can't seem to get past us. And I think specifically Joel Embiid. Uh, clearly, ever since he did that whole airplane thing, he's been pretty garbage in Toronto, which right? is karma. And to people be, were making fun of him for that too. Last night, even as they should. I mean, look, the last memory he had in this building was him crying as he left. Right, yeah. like that's that's the last time he was here. And Marcus Gasol was big brothering him in that situation, consoling him. And last he night he daddied him. Brothered his daddy, daddy, daddied him. him. He daddied my, him last that's night. My biggest takeaway is that Marcus Gasol is not needed for anything else, but to other than to stop him mm-hmm. beat. If we face them in the playoffs in the second round, the third round, you, who knows? How confident are you knowing that Embiid is going to be so, shut down as long as Gasol's out there? So after, that's so two things. First of all, when but Graf, when you first came on the podcast, we had a little debate about. You know, do you trade Valanciunas or not? And the one thing I, I said was, one of the reasons why it's difficult, I or I would say like not to trade him, is that we have Embiid in our division, right? right. And who, how many bodies could you get back that can withstand him, right? That would be, be- but the way that Gasol, Gasol would be is better the, yeah. in terms of guarding him, okay? Um, because Embiid can't uh, physically manhandle Gasol. Gasol is too thick. Right and and uh, his his skill game Gasol's too crafty, 
yep. right? Uh, so and and it's it's very interesting for a player like Joel Embiid who talks the most amount of shit, right? And who I've heard him say, you know, I like to get in people's head. I like to build that real estate. Well. Marcus is a condo developer in that guy's mind right now. I agree. Now. I agree. Because he looked shook last night. Well, he was taking terrible shots, right? Like he was 0 for 9, taking threes from Curry range. That's not going to work. Uh, anytime he tried to go down low, Marcus Sol basically just Which, didn't yeah. let him post up. Yeah. He did not let him back him down. Yeah. Uh, if anyone plays 2K, NBA 2K, Embiid's got back down Punisher. This is a guy who can, when he backs up against any yep, center, he'll in the wear league, you down. He will wear you down, and by at least halftime, shit, he'll get to the basket. But for Gasol's an easy got layup. too much girth. Gasol's just too big, and I He's love Nick thick. Nurse's rotation too. Took him out as soon as Embiid went out. Yep. Put him in. Literally, Gasol's role was to make sure Embiid didn't get a point, and that's yeah. exactly what he did. It and couldn't have been a better display of that. And. Also, just to go on, Norm Powell had a bad game offensively, but he's someone who as well had a pretty good game defensively in my yeah, mind. Yeah, well, he, he, always, guarding, he always brings the just gonna, pail. I'm just going to yeah, throw I mean, this out quickly. The Ringer's headline for last night's game, because again, we're mentioning that the NBA media hasn't really done a great job of covering the Raptors. Nice of the Ringer has a story out headline, Pascal Siakam out-trolled the NBA Super Troll. So I thought that was kind of cool that we're getting some love from American well, uh, media. I thought that, at, you know, so shifting onto Siakam then, that last sequence... That he made. The and one, then the steal? The and one, yeah. then the steal, right? And the finish. And the the pose after. So, right? Oh, that dunk too, yeah. Okay, yeah, the pose after to end the game. And it wasn't over the top, right? Because he, he's not that. Siakam, right? He, he's a he's he's not an overly cocky guy. It wasn't necessary, but I love. it. But you it. know what? Like, like it's either you go for it or you're going to be fouled. And like, you know, I don't well, think no, again, we could have just he did it, ran it out. He, but he didn't do like a like a, a windmill dunk and celebration. It was just lay it in the net and raise the arm. Game done. I have no problem with. It. I don't think it was disrespectful. Uh, okay, so here's the theory. I think it's a bit disrespectful. I don't still don't have a problem with it. Like again, it's Philly. They're an arch rival. We beat them in the playoffs. Fuck Philly. Also, they're a bunch of fucking scumbags. But is that, they were but coming hold on, to foul. The whole point is, isn't did he not do that to get the pizza? Like the free pizza or something like that? Or no, free look, fries? My, don't you my get thing was in he was Toronto hundred and one or over a hundred points and the fans get a bunch of shit. I, I don't even think he was thinking of that per se, but like he was just being chased down and they were still they, within no, a hold possession on. of us. He was not being chased down. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, he was no on, one was near yeah, him. Hold on, Gasol outletted him, but you know No one was near him. He the, could have walked. He got the to ball the at, at about half. Yeah, right? no Philly and player. I was thinking in his mind at least, he pro- like if you put yourself in a situation, you better to finish that play because let's just say you try to run it out and there's still time on the clock, you get fouled. Like in terms of a basketball play, put the game out of reach. Whatever. It's not, but I just thought that that moment was huge for him. That to me, because there's no doubt Pascal Siakam is an all star. The question is, is he a top like 15 player in the league superstar? And like, all NBA. Well, yeah. Put, put it this way I mean, last night, there's what five, six All Stars, seven All Stars, pretty or people that have been to the All Star game on both rosters. Yet Siakam was easily Tobias Harris. Yeah, of course he's yeah. been All Star. Yet Siakam was easily the best player on the court last. Yeah, night, by yeah. far. And we're yeah. not talking mediocre All Stars. I mean Ben Simmons, obviously, and, and Ben Simmons and Embiid have been annoyed superstars. I would not say Annoyed. Ben. No, no, no. Let's go to this backtrack a second. A superstar. No, I would say Ben Simmons has done nothing in his career to, to get labeled a superstar. I think Joel Embiid is. I would absolutely okay. label him as a superstar. But Ben Simmons, I don't think has earned that max, uh, that max contract. But, but would, uh, to, to, to Graffin's. Yeah, it's like saying is Andrew Wiggins a superstar just because they're getting paid doesn't mean they're necessarily. Well, at one point, someone did see them. 
but that but that's what I mean. Just like at yeah. one point they were on superstar track. Yeah. So, yeah. To, to Graffin's point though, Siakam outshone these two guys that the league has sort of like anointed Dumped. as like the next, you know, well, big, I think big I th- combination. What you're talking about is pedigree though, right? Kid from Cameroon <clears throat> comes out of nowhere and through well, that's part and effort, right? That's the point, though. You know, he's overlooked the fact that he got drafted so late in the first. There was a pre-expectation for when Ben Simmons and Joel B came in the league. You're talking about number one and number three in the draft. Yeah. Pascal Siakam doesn't really get much respect based on the fact that he's a 25th overall pick, which is clearly an issue because, you know, talk about OG and Anobi. I think the bigger thing we should be looking at is I don't think Nick Nurse has been getting the respect when it comes on the de- developmental side of the game. You know, looking at undrafted free agents or you know guys who haven't you know even been drafted in the first place like Fred Van Vliet getting finding getting the best of a guy like Norman Powell for example but that you know yeah so there's two pieces there right Masai, one, I mean, one would be yeah Masai, Masai, the exactly. organizational yeah, yeah, yeah. thing but but then it's two tier though right it's connected but then to your <laughs> point is you've got a coach able to work with players like that and develop them and and find like a way to make them perform at their best. And like, yeah, I think Nick Nurse, and we don't probably, I think a lot of people didn't want to talk about him for a long time because of what happened with Casey. And we all li- liked Casey. And like, we were just starting to give him that respect. And Nick Nurse comes and it. it it's very similar to what's happening, at least with the Mike Babcock, Shell and Key situation. You have a guy who's sort of an archaic model of what a head coach does in a the NBA. Of man versus the tr- tr- But yeah. trust his vets. You can see you know, Patrick Patterson obviously is getting heavy minutes in the rotation. But you can see the limitations on the team. A creative, young innovator like Nick Nurse, a guy who's not afraid to make a mistake, you know, lose a, a couple games coach. to win 10. You know and what I mean? And a player's coach. And, and right? someone who can sort of engage the guys and connect to them yeah. to a certain degree. But also design plays and maximize their individual skill set instead of just designing plays because you want to design a play. Did you, did you see the game last night? Because to me... Again, like this is something where Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse obviously is a better coach than I will ever be. But last night, I would have played, for example, Terrace Davis in the in the crunch time minutes as opposed to Norman Powell. Again, from everything I'd seen in that game, Norman Powell was not playing well. But Ter- yet, 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 Norman Powell take the the biggest three in the game by far. The the three that he hit, the pass from Fred Van Vliet in the corner, that's the game, that's the one that put us up ultimately. And he was guarding Tobias Harris on Tobias Harris' final shot. So clearly he's putting people in the right position. For Norman Powell, you can see his inconsistencies are rooted through insecurity, nerves, you know what I mean? Empowering him by putting him in a situation where realistically he should be taking out of the game, but he's still putting trust in that guy is another example of why Nick Nurse is a great head coach because he doesn't give up on his guys. Well, look at what happened with Van Vliet. You know, they were talking on the podcast, uh, on the broadcast, I should say, last night about how when Van Vliet was in that Philadelphia series, he looked simply out uh, athleted, right? Like, like he he looked like a, a physically outclassed. A, yeah, like he couldn't keep up with the size and speed of the game. And Nickner stuck with him, and then he woke up in that Milwaukee series, right? And and really woke up, and then he looked what he's done this season. And and that's what I was saying two weeks ago when I got to hear Nickner's talk. He doesn't go, okay, Fred's not working, who's next up? He goes, okay, how can we get Fred working? Yeah. Right? And that's the difference is mm-hmm. he goes, look, you're taking too many corners from the three, step back. Again, like the, there's a whole process, but yeah. his first thought process is the I trust this player. This mm-hmm. player's gained my respect. Mm-hmm. They should be out there right now. Mm-hmm. How can we make it work? Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, he finds ways to make Terrence Davis, Chris Boucher, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson all have an impact on the game, even if they're not. To me, he's letting Terrence Davis go out there and basically do whatever he wants. Yeah. Chris Chris Boucher, clearly he's saying get offensive rebounds, finish, and shoot whenever you have an open look. Don't don't be afraid to do that. 
I think just the fact that Nick Nurse is one of those people who says, do what you think is right, and we'll, we'll analyze it later on. Yeah, it's If it's bad, coach. we won't do it again next game. But this game, tr- try it out, figure it out. We'll think of something together. Well, I think yeah. that's huge. There's a reason why there's an 82-game season is experimentation. You know what I mean? You look at so many championship teams, and they sort of use the season as a guide to kind of figure out the logistics of their organization leading up to the playoffs. Talking about an 82-game season, jumping in the second corner, one big thing that's kind of swept the league in graph, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in detail, but the NBA has proposed a schedule and playoff format change. Basically, this would include a 30-team in-season tournament that occurs in late November into mid-December, a postseason play-in format, and reseeding of the four conference finalists. I know, Graf, you've kind of made multiple suggestions about how the NBA can improve from entertainment value. Also, yeah, sort of idea. When, it, when, when it comes to resting <laughs> players. Can you talk a little bit more in detail about the changes that they're suggesting and how it would benefit the league as a whole? Yeah, so I mean, and that's a good starting point because I think the first question is why? Why do we need to make these changes in the first place? Is is there any reason? So just note that it's the it's the NBA Players Association and the broadcasters that are the ones that are negotiating this with the NBA mm-hmm. with the NBA itself. So clearly, I mean, the ratings are down this year. Uh, I don't really have an answer as to why. I mean, it seems like this year's the most exciting ever, but ratings are down. Broadcasters are upset. Uh, regular season goes too long. All, all that there's load the, management, maybe. There's also the impression that the regular season doesn't matter. So between all those, yeah, that's, that's a serious issue. If your broadcasters who pay billions of dollars yeah. to to do this are not happy, then of course you're going to look to make mid-season changes. So I think there is a need to do it. I well, think, let's I think let's it makes sense. let's backtrack for a second here and have a discussion about why do you think, from a commercial level, the NBA is failing this season in comparison to last? Is it the idea that people are tuning in because of a Goliath like the Golden State Warriors, kind of similar to the popularity of the Chicago Bulls? Do you think that could be a factor? Like it's, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to possible, unpackage this and explain and figure it, out why there's an issue in the first like, place. I don't know, like how much the ratings are down. Like a I lot. Think, okay, so it, so it, that's probably part of it, Brandon. Thirty percent. Also, you know, also the league I know is quite concerned about the idea of resting stars. Like there was a game Milwaukee played the Clippers earlier in the year, and I was I was excited for the game because I knew I, I oh, was going to see. We all know the Cli- Kawhi Leonard, yeah, yeah. And Kawhi sat, and I literally that was a smart decision. I by turned the way. to Candace. I was like. All right, you want to watch The Joker? That's an amazing movie, by the way. The Joker. So I mean, point is, I, I tuned out. <laughs> so I guess the casual I basket, out. like the. I mean, I don't, I'm not I, even a casual a great fan, game. and I tuned out. I guess. And it was a great game, right? But yeah. I was like, ah, I see. You know, I don't. It didn't have the same pull. So that could be part of it. Maybe more people are streaming too. That definitely is a factor. I mean. But what from last year to this year? You yeah, think that's it's big no, of a deal. It's, it's, a huge, it's not right. So, I, I the only thing I could say is what you said, Brandon. Golden State, which is like the Chicago Bulls, Steph Curry not playing. Plus, you got to go through the list of teams. Like, there's not th- okay. Knicks shit, Cavs shit. But last uh, year there were more also, shit teams. New Orleans. Last year there were more shit teams. It's, there there is more parity. <clears throat> you would think. I don't. No, I think another thing, stars, like, yeah, hold on one second. Scary. So I think James Harden, it might be the exception because he still is averaging 38 points per game. But I think right now what's happening in the NBA is that we're seeing this, this shift from the old stars to the new guard, if that makes sense. You know, guys like LeBron James, you know what I mean? Kevin Durant's missing the entire season. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook, for example, and James Harden are on Houston, not a very exciting team to watch. Obviously, you, you can see Mike D'Antoni's offense. It's, they're not league pass favorites. You know, I think right now with the emerging talents, even guys like Giannis, Luka Doncic, even the international game itself, I don't think North American guys are really 
tuning in because of the unreal. I don't want to use the word unrelatability unrela- of these guys, but I think the evolution of the international game has hindered the development of the game on an American level. Or even like you said, the shift in the or the player movement, right? Like because if you turn it's, on the TV and the, and the team, like if you can't relate to the team anymore, it's possible that because so much of the league changed teams. Right, or maybe honestly, if Kevin Durant was playing in in Brooklyn, maybe the ratings would be really high for that. Re- like several different reasons, but the league is obviously concerned. Let's get back on track, Raf. So we're talking about that. We're trying to find the reasons why sort of the NBA is losing revenue. Um, so obviously, they're making suggestions about how to improve the game from, an, I guess, an optics level. Um, what are these proposed changes? Can you kind of talk about them in detail, especially the uh, playoff seating format? Yeah, so the first one that they wanted to do was sort of an in-season style tournament. And again, they want to reduce the amount of regular season games to about 78. So reduce it by four and then have this in-style tournament where regular season games essentially count towards the first round. So you're not really playing new games. You're just playing. There are regular season games now that would count more than just a regular season game. It would also factor into this tournament. That would determine the seating in this tournament. And then, again, the timing right now is sort of... They don't want to interrupt the Christmas Day schedule, but they also don't want to interrupt All-Star Game. So, so what would the tournament to count out. for? So the tournament basically, again, the format of it is you, you get those teams to play those regular season games. They end up meeting there, and there's financial incentives... Or like a league cup, like in soccer. Exactly. There'd be financial incentives for the coaches, the players, the teams. There'd be more sponsorship based on that. And it would be something that they could squeeze in between or before Christmas or before the All-Star Game. Dude, they should do it as the All-Star Game. Uh, that's okay, game so sucks. That's another suggestion. Maybe why, like, maybe like, why a, would they do an all-star game if they're going to do this? Right? There's no. You know what would be, be cool great though? though? Remember NBA Jam? Three players you put on the court at the same time from any team. Do a all-star format of all thirty three? teams of a three-on-three NBA, they, NBA they've, Jam style. They've, they've they've looked into that possibility. Again, but it's a matter of how much do the players. Care. The player, yeah, and that's the thing because it really isolates the players, Brandon, and it makes that competitive. Right. And right now at All Star Weekend, they just want to party and like and it's like all, network. It's also the validity of winning the regular season championship because if you do win that from a fan's perspective, like how, how much of a win is that? You know what I mean? As a fan of the Raptors, for example, how much excitement can you garner from winning this sort of regular season title? Obviously, it's a model used in soccer, and I think it's based on rooted through tradition why teams get excited about winning their own division. You can say the same thing about NCAA, but conference wins, right? But for the NBA, you know, like especially establishing a new tournament, from a fan perspective, I, I can't get really hyped about it. Even Me as a Raptors either. fan, right? You got, you got to look at something that's almost similar right now, and that's like I guess Olympics and FIBA mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. all of that. Look at all that great participation Canada got for for the last Olympic qualifier. Look at the American teams qualifying. Mm-hmm. Like if we really think that the superstars are going to care about a. Hundred thousand dollar, what two hundred thousand dollar check that goes? Yeah, Portage. Like, yeah, they win a bunch of trucks. Like, you, you think that's really going to make LeBron James change his mind and go? You know what? Maybe I'll just sit this tournament. They out. should increase the stakes. As soon as one person gets out of it, then what's the point? Yeah. There should be like a country on the line, or some sort of small Polynesian or a- island, or something that's <laughs> like like you can't gain just by from like can't buy money. So- this is the weirdest change to me is this play-in tournament. Because to be perfectly honest, when I proposed these changes a while ago, I had pretty much had everything on here other than this. And they the, and they the last, legitimately stole your idea. Well, the last, especially the last idea, which is what you want to talk about, which is basically taking the final four teams in each conference and, and doing them. a playoff-style tournament. Yeah. So seven faces eight 
the winner gets to be the seventh seed. Oh yeah, yeah. And then eight, the like the, the the loser basically eight is facing the winner of the nine and the ten. So again, you want to add extra games to it. They could potentially be playing games mm-hmm. wild card style, sort of like baseball. Yeah, it's basically a one and done. That would be exciting. I don't know why they need four teams to do it and to extend it into like yeah, a like that's why that's, that's my thing. I think it should like I think that like I like that idea, but I don't like the idea in the sense that let's say team eight has forty five wins and team twelve has exactly. thirty, for example, right? You know, I, I can't justify a 12th seed or sorry, 11th seed getting an opportunity to make the playoffs when there's a clear sort of stratification between 8 and 12 or 8 and 11. And that's the part yeah. where, again, there's so much to dissect. Like, they're, they're really going through everything, trying to get everyone's opinion. Um, and then the last one would be reseeding the fourth the four teams that make the finals. So instead of there being now conference finals of the West finals versus the East, the seeds would be reshuffled. Mm-hmm. And the f- Basically, the intent of that, which, again, was my intent with my bi-week sort of thing, Uh. was to make sure that the top two teams, if they're in the same conference, can face each other in the finals. So, I just want to go into this a bit from your your, your two perspectives. Does this, like, making changes to, like, a historic league like the NBA, you know, look at MLB, and one of the biggest issues MLB is having on a commercial level is that it's an archaic game. It hasn't changed too much. You know what I mean? It's stuck in the mud. So, the issue I have with the NBA is that... Is this necessary? You know, like like uh, the NBA does seem like a pretty evolved sport, and it does seem like a pretty exciting sport and a popular sport. Do do they need? To, is it necessary to make this stark of an adjustment in order to gain more eyeballs? I hate to say it, but it's a all leagues are dictated by sponsors and advertising. And yeah. if your sponsors and advertisers aren't happy, hey. and the owners have an opportunity to see if they can make more money, mm-hmm. and That's the it. players, I mean, if, again, they're trying to make it a win win win. Right, they're trying to make it so the players play less, get more money. Yeah, teams don't have to worry about that whole rest thing anymore. The league as a whole grows, and then the playoff format's better. Yeah, they want it. They want like this to be. The the whole thing is they also acknowledge right away that they know this in season tournament won't be something that people care about right away. Well, it's something that's, that's my biggest worry is if you don't get the hype in the first yeah, year, yeah, yeah, then yeah. Where, where does it go from there? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. And 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 this is obviously something they're going to have to experiment with. Obviously, the G League might be the best sort of place incubator to be able to sort of install these sort of suggested changes. Well, even the reseeding of the final four has been done in WNBA for mm-hmm. the last five, ten, like, a long time. Yeah. And it works, works fine there. The whole travel, I'm yeah. putting air quotes right now, being an issue is stupid. It's not an issue. It's not an issue yeah. at all. Again, you can have someone in Dallas facing someone in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Again, you get a day in between games. Chartered flights. Chartered I've, flight. I've gone in, in the finals. You're you're yeah. you're fine. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You're fine. Alrighty. Uh, so going into another segment, something else we want to talk about in the second quarter is the evolution of the international game and one player, namely Luka Doncic, who's putting up an absolutely incredible performance this season. 30 and a half points per game, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 50% field goal percentage. Um, he's a guy that obviously I was really hyped about come, pro- come draft time. He was my number one option. Graft and I, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, both of the best guys of the draft. I personally would take Luka in the situation, but I, I just want to talk about what is this guy's ceiling? Where does like do you think he can legitimately become a top ten greatest of all time guy? Where does he stand currently in the NBA? And is he an MVP candidate or is he the actual MVP? Can I? Um, I don't think he has a ceiling, to be honest. Uh, like when I said and I said like Slovenian Larry Bird. That was a little bit of an exaggeration of time, but right now, that statement does not seem that far-fetched. Larry Bird, 
right? Larry Bird was the last White Hope. Luca is the new White Hope. Well, okay. Steve Nash did win back-to-back MVPs. No, but Luca. <laughs> but to me, like Luca is. Uh, you talk about you know what's his ceiling. Considering what he's done at, so what he's doing, like he's having the best start to his career, arguably ever. Mm-hmm. So, if he continues his rate of progression, it stands to reason that, uh, yeah, he he can easily go down as an all-time great. Right now, Graph, name me as many guys that you can who are more deserving of the MVP trophy than Luka Doncic. Oh, it's it, it's hard. Obviously, I would say. Look, if you go purely statistical, Giannis. Purely statistical, James Harden and Giannis. Okay. Those Wait. are the two that you would put there. LeBron James, again, you could put him there. He's missing yeah. games. Um, but Luca's right. Like he, there's an argument for for him. Like he he's goes, had the best show, eh? With him, like the, he puts on the best show, and we saw that mattered when Westbrook won. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like Harden could have won, or you, I remember you saying that he should have won, but. Where was the show, right? Like, what it, was the hype? It's also like, if we're going to hype up the... It's absurd, and I know I'm against this, but if we're going to hype up the triple-double as much as we have, you know, because it's been stale now, because <laughs> Russell Westbrook did it a couple times, but Russell Westbrook got a triple-double by hounding for rebounds. Stealing rebounds. Stealing rebounds. <laughs> you know, not not the greatest shot selection, and, and forcing a lot of plays in order for him to get to that triple-double. From my perspective, at least from what I can see, tell me if I'm wrong, Luka, Luka Doncic is on aggressively going into every single game looking to get the triple-double. Just his style of play... Is making yeah, him. Well, he's taller, like, plays a different position. But it's the most, na- but also it's the most natural triple double I think we've uh, average we've ever seen, and I think a it's lot of people are overlooking there. that. So, it, sorry if I just could I'd talk about the triple double and Harden and, and MVPs. To me, the game he had in Houston against Harden and Westbrook showed me what really how good this kid is. Like he outplayed the last or two of the three last former MVPs. Right, he outplayed them by himself. Uh, he made them look pretty average. Like you're, you're you're talking about people don't understand how how big and strong he is. And to me, what's so amazing, he's much like Kawhi in that you can't speed him up, right? So you 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 add to that his savant like ability to read the game and. Again, so he reminds me of LeBron and his ball handling and passing. He doesn't quite have the athleticism, but he has a much better three-point shot. He has infinite range. Like he's made for the new NBA. That's the thing. He's he, he he's tailor-made to to succeed in today's game. And I think a big thing we'll see from Luka Doncic just from a trailblazing perspective is that maybe a lot of kids like will pull the um, Brennan Jennings kind of route, you know what I mean? Instead of going from high school straight to college, you know what I mean? Going to in, yeah, exactly, going internationally, happened, playing yeah. with men, you know what I mean? Not like it makes like sense. like your your skills are obviously going to be limited playing with your peers. I think going playing Go another sport, Austin Matthews, the same thing. Exactly, right? like exactly, it, it exactly. Seems to be the better. Put it this way: the European leagues aren't as much of a joke as they used to be, as well. They're right, not. like that's a big, big factor in this. Those Slovenian teams and Spanish teams but that he played, FIBA in, he played for Real Italian Madrid. teams. Yeah, like that's what I mean. He's playing not even at the worst. Like he was playing at the top of the top of a the second best league in the world. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's not. So you asked right away, what's his ceiling? I think his ceiling would be a right. Like it sounds going to sound weird, but the regular season. I don't know how successful Luke is going to be if a team Good. gets to focus on him in the playoffs. And again, tonight they're facing the Clippers, so we're going to really. 
Has, oh, yeah. he, has he faced an elite defender? Like, I agree with you. He battled Harden and, and Westbrook and yeah, looked no, better than them offensively, but those guys are both... Tonight's going to be eh. a huge tonight test. Tonight will be very, very interesting to see. And honestly, if, if Luka Doncic tonight ends up getting, you know, 21 points and 7 assists and, and 10 rebounds, I'm going to be like, eh, that could be an issue. 21, 7, and 10? That's our, hold on. But can I say, I watched him play against the Clippers. I watched him play... Um, in a regular, sorry, in the preseason, and he put in work on the Clippers. Like he, he was going at Kawhi. So, in I, the preseason, it was a preseason. No, no, but yeah. they played hard. Why was Kawhi playing in the preseason? Oh, he was playing all right. <laughs> Oops, I dropped my mic. <laughs> We're just so hyped about Luca, and that's our one more thing. That's the thing when you. This is what's so amazing to me about this. There, when you listen to people talk about him, there is a real. Energy. There is an effective energy and a feel that people get now. The excitement that he brings is, to me, it's pretty unparalleled, especially for a European player. I just find the draft thing so hilarious because I think so many people are looking at why he shouldn't be the number one overall pick as opposed to why he does deserve to be the number one no, overall I, pick, I, right? I, I, I think his age, his athletic limitations. Andrea Bargnani. Like, Bargnani's and Porzingis of the world. Realistically, right, but realistically um, going down, if we're talking well, about draft Detroit day Doug's guy, and... What's his name? The player from Detroit. Luke Kennard? Uh, who the he was a Russian player drafted before Darko Milosek, M- M- Milicic. Oh, Milicic. It was Milicic yeah. and Bargnani, I think. That's good. But this kid's not that. Like, like it to me. Like, we know imagine that Phoenix. Now. Ima- no, but <laughs> Dallas knew it then. Look, imagine Phoenix Maybe. had drafted Doncic instead of Aiden, and they had Booker and Doncic. Well, Doncic is going to completely transcend the nature of drafts now because European guys are going to be taken very, very fucking seriously. I think he's a trailblazer in the situation. I don't think you know the the potential upside. You know, Nico Chivaliski kind of massage lampe shit back in the day. You know, stash him for three years and see what they can do. Yeah. I think the international clubs are developing killers right now, and I think Luca is one of the guys who's the start of evolution. So, and on the ceiling point, one. So, a big criticism of his. The reason that Divots didn't take him is he said that he knew his dad. Yeah, I was reading no, that. Okay, that, yeah. and like, and people questioned. His work ethic, because the game came so easy to him, and that reminds me, like you look at someone like Wayne Rooney, who was a, a as as a young player a savant. Like the game came so easy to Rooney, and because of that, he didn't work at it. Right, him and Ronaldo when they were at Man United were like at the same level. Ronaldo worked at his game; he wanted to become great, and look what he turned into. Look what Rooney Rooney couldn't even lead an MLS team. Right through the playoffs. It's right? just now, like now he's playing second division in England. Sorry, it's just like Gucci Men and the world of hip hop. Alrighty, moving down the list, we got another topic before <laughs> we jump into the third quarter. Um, one team that has been a pillar of consistency of the last couple of de- decades is the San Antonio Spurs. Hot water turns cold. The sun comes out, the sun sets, and the Spurs make the playoffs. Obviously, this season they're sitting at 13th in the Western Conference with a record of six and 12, one and nine in their last 10, Ew. eight game losing streak. That's the first time they've done that since 1996. Greg, is this team going to make the playoffs, or is this the end of Greg Popovich's reign over I'm the West? I'm going to go Conference? down. I'm going to go down with the ship, with the Spurs. I'm not getting. I'm not getting. I'm not jumping off the boat. Uh, you got to have faith in Popovich. They got veterans. They they. Oh, hopefully, when Dejounte Murray's minutes restriction gets lifted, they can get him on for longer periods of time, right? Because when they have their main guys on, they're 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 pretty good. I think the. Marcus Morris thing 
kind of really fucked them because they they got rid of Bertans because they thought they were getting Morris and right. then he reneged on and they brought in Trey Lyles who right? and he's been doing should, great in New York yeah right it's like no but if they had Morris it would give that team a little more something or Bertans who's been lighting it up in Washington like they like they uh, they need to I think if they make a trade well there's obviously depth of issues when Bryn Forbes is your third leading scorer it's a clear indication that's on enough fire center like and he's averaging five points not enough. Right? No, they need to make a trade, I think. He was and a backup I, backup. I think, yeah, but you you world. you can say that. You can say they can make a trade and they can bring in a guy, but when they it, let's say they like what is the best option out there? Let's say hypothetically speaking, they bring in a guy like Jimmy Butler. Let's say they bring in Jimmy Butler. How good are they still with the inclusion of a guy like Jimmy Butler considering how the great playoffs. the West is? Okay, but is that is that like is that the but goal or is it re- shuffle the deck restart last year? Right, like if he makes the playoffs, he gets that record. I just can't. I can't. If he doesn't, I can't uh, justify expending future assets just to maintain legacy. That just seems crazy to me. I think they're in the opposite mindset, though. I think I think they're looking to offload Demar to the to the Heat, not for Jimmy, but for small, like you know, a couple picks and maybe like Deion Waiters. That's and stuff probably like that. the like, smarter. I think thing. they're looking to. I don't know exactly if they're looking to do what you're thinking. I think they're looking to offload a bit, like all right. like get rid of Aldridge and DeRozan, yeah. get some young talent and exactly. restock. Because they have a and good not young backcourt. Because the Spurs don't like to rebuild fully, right? So they'll want someone you like you got to reset. Things. They'll want someone who's like a little bit. Well known, like who's still good, like a Justice Winslow or Dion Waiters. Scores. Yeah, that's what I mean. Dion Waiters. <laughs> Did you hear Kendrick what Nunn? To him? I could see Kendrick Nunn. Oh yeah, the the weed gummy passed. He, what, what? Like, sorry, I, I, I can I, relate to that. Yeah, Podcast but pass number thirty-five. <laughs> Graph and Kant. Um, already. <laughs> Uh, moving down the list, uh, this is the third quarter. This is a new segment we're introducing just for this week. We might continue doing it moving down the line. This is basically a take shop. Um, we're going to call this, will this get me punched in the mouth? I'll probably, no, well, actually, no, we'll call it, will this get a bucket of shit poured on me um, for will the third quarter? The um, so each of us are going to go around discussion and, and provide a take. Am I crazy for saying this? All started off... Um, if we're not going to factor in individual talent and and skill, if we're looking at how well can they fit into a current unit or how well does he play when it comes to the modern game of basketball, if I'm looking at the 2016 draft and I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm taking Brendan Ingram over Ben Simmons. And the and I, I, I think the sky is a ceiling for this guy. And I think mm-hmm. the biggest indicator of this is the Lele Lakers issues when it comes to developing young talent. We've seen it with Julius Randle, Borderline All-Star D'Angelo last Russell. year. D'Angelo Russell went with the Nets. Uh, you know, even like Josh Hart, who's playing absolutely fucking stellar for the Pelicans. The Lakers is a death pit when it comes to uh, you know Jordan getting Clarkson. What makes you think Philadelphia the is Lakers so are good? A death pit. I mean, Markel Fultz came out of that. Like, you can go through the list too. Oh, Philly, oh, Philly's, Philly's the same, not though. any better. No, That's Philly's what I mean. a graveyard, right? right. That's what I'm Okafor, saying. Right. Noel. So, well, who's to say that right, he would have right. developed Ingram would have developed in Philly? I'm before? saying based on their limitations on fit, and what right? they're capable of doing when it comes to like just being a basketball player. I think Brendan Ingram's skill set is more conducive to success than what Ben Simmons does. Ben Simmons, for me, seems like a Demar Derozan type of guy that you need to structure your team around, as opposed to a guy like Brendan Ingram, who, in my opinion. Can play two positions, and play with others better, and play with others better. You know what I mean? I think his his evolution as a as a shot maker, three point shot, just the way he's played this season. Obviously, the numbers are there, but from an office perspective, he still is getting better. He's still improving. I think Ben Simmons is going to have limitations in his career based on the lack of shooting. He's got a three pointer this season. It doesn't matter. I, I I I would take Brendan Ingram number one. 
If I'm the Raptors, maybe that's a different discussion. It's a structural fit. And this is a flip of the coin. This isn't like, a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's not an easy question to answer. But if I was the Raptors, I might consider Ben Simmons. But if I was the Philadelphia 76ers and I was looking at this roster and I could you know, look back in time, I would probably take Ingram over Simmons. I think that's a fair take. I don't think you're. I don't think you're off your rocker. I, think, I mean, me. I don't think you're crazy, but I don't think I would do it. No, I mean, you'd look, do it, yeah. Uh, Jordan Henry was here last or two weeks ago now, and he said Simmons is the master of the quadruple single. Yeah, right. Like yeah, he's, he's, yeah. I think we saw the limitation last night. Like Simmons, the only reason why Siakam got that steal in the last play is because Simmons went up. And yeah. basically, he knew he can't shoot. He's gonna have to pass that off. Pass so he just went backwards so and got Siakam it. So Siakam just backed S- off him. Yeah. So you, uh, and that really affects you in the half court in the playoffs. Oh my god! And I hate to say, but maybe you know what? Uh, I would not. I certainly wouldn't punch you in the face for this take. I think or, I might or, even, po- po- I'd lean to agree with you almost. On I'll this give you. I'll uh, uh, yeah. give you a nice slap in the bum. Uh, you're right. It'd be a good experiment. Isn't that crazy though? Like having like if I brought up this discussion last season. I would be out of my goddamn mind. Brendan oh. Ingram was labeled a bust. Like I know, and he just and mentioned everybody it, loves Simmons, right? And I know, like we've been, like you just kind of mentioned, the 76ers maybe haven't done the greatest job at developing talent. But what the Lakers have done, like just those like four guys alone, from a yeah. developmental yeah. standpoint, from guys that could fill out your roster, it's absolutely absurd that they could potentially have a DeAndre Russell, Brendan Ingram sidekick to LeBron James and Anthony Davis at this point. I know Davis is part of the trade they, itself, they but why are you keeping... They sold rebuild for LeBron James. Well, they, and, they all, <laughs> which they, worked. They also made a decision to keep Kuzma. I don't know what happened in the trade negotiations, but it seemed like, from an outside perspective, that they decided to keep Kuzma over yeah, Ingram. LeBron, well, because he could shoot and they wanted to keep... I don't know, but the trade wouldn't have happened without Ingram. Like, Ingram was this main centerpiece that they... Greg, what do you got for us? You know, am I crazy to think that Boucher should be getting upwards of 25 minutes a night. The well, plug. Obviously it's going to be about Boucher. This guy <laughs> is this guy is big time, man. This guy this guy two-handed volleyball blocked Montrez Harold. Right? This guy is hitting threes. Like his his hustle is everywhere. He could I love watching the Siakam Boucher like tandem. The, the range and athleticism. Like, this guy is so sneaky good and his confidence is unwavering. Like, am I crazy that this guy's got to be getting 25 minutes a night? Like, we might have, we, we might be able to trade Serge Ibaka because we just have this, like, young stud coming up. I, I You're right. And, you know, obviously Boucher does have his limitations, especially when it comes to the physical side of basketball. But this is what makes the Raptors so great is that we're, our roster is constructed like a Swiss army knife in that. Boucher might not play a couple games, but he might play 25 minutes this one game because yeah. he can exploit a certain matchup. And that's yeah. what makes his skill set so unique is that maybe you can't play him every single night, but when he does play and when he can fit into an offensive scheme, he shows up. Mm-hmm. Well, his his effort, right? Like he, him and, and I know I'm digressing. We didn't mention Hollis Jefferson. Toronto loves Hollis Jefferson because of his effort. Well, right. was, did, you, did, you, he, did you see that interview when he got his toque taken away from him or whatever? Oh, yeah. yeah. Kind, of seems like a, yeah. kind of seems like a dick a little no, bit. No, he was saying that he, he was that, a joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was, he uh, was all the Raptors were looking afterwards for uh, the the Yahoo reporter who put that out, trying to say, uh, you're trying to start some beef here. Yeah, not who, in this locker room. Who was it? Room. It's Vivek Jacob. Like, who, who was it? Who was it? They were looking yeah. around. I think it was a Raptors Rapture. He's a Raptors mm-hmm. Rapture guy. But no, I think it was a little bit more so of wait, a joke. So, so am I crazy? Boucher, plus 25 a night. 
Um, no, I don't think you're crazy. I'm Maybe trying, next I'm year. To, I'm trying to look right now as to like whose minutes would he be taking if that were the case. I, I getting like. 20 I tend minutes to agree. With, I agree with you. I just think you you gotta be careful with the matchup. But like, what could he put together? I'm saying in those minutes, like you could be tall. You know what I mean? Like, how many blocks could he? Right. Have? At the he, same time, he could be very effective because of the minutes. Because of the minutes. Getting, yeah. Right? Fair so enough. Yeah. But let's say there. he. Let's I say just he, love watching him. You wouldn't match him with Aaron Baines, for example, though. No. Well, maybe now because he's a three-point shooter, which is insane to me. All right, uh, Graf, what do you got for us? Um, would I be crazy to say that Golden State will be favorites to win the title next year? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Favorites? I think favorite. Again, they're going to have their Not big three with their back. Current roster. So hold on, they're going to have their big three back, right? Um, I think I would assume healthy. Willie yeah. Cauley Stein will be the center there, and they're going to get a top what three draft pick this so year. If they trade that draft pick. And what? with D'Angelo Russell? Yes, okay. that's exactly for, uh, where I was for going. For like another, yeah. then yeah, I could see them being yeah. a fit. But I think that they're going to be back in, in the competitiveness of the West once their full team is back. But like as currently constructed, I wouldn't, I, yeah, I'd say you're crazy for saying they're a favorite. But like like we said, if they can pull off, if they can use that capital, right? Just like the Spurs did. Remember when they got Tim Duncan and they were, right? But instead of actually keeping Tim Duncan, you trade him, right? Yeah. It's it's a crazy year I, too. I, I yeah. just Draft it's wise. a perfect. Year I think one year. thing we're overlooking in the chaos as a Golden State Warriors because obviously you know you're talking about the best of the best being the worst of the worst. Very drastic change overnight is the horrendous play. Honestly, the horrendous play of Draymond Green. I just think he's become such a liability offensively. Oh, he totally the numbers is he's trying. putting up this season he's is checked at, out. No man, this this dates back to last year. The thirty-eight percent field goal, twenty-seven percent, twenty-six point seven three-point well, shooter. Can't shoot. You know, not in a very efficient guy. If again, it might be an effort thing. Graph, Graph nope. might be right, but if Draymond Green even slips a bit, this his this team... his shot has been falling off for a few years. There, uh, well, those it was first, never good. No, no, but in those first runs, like you couldn't leave Green open, like or you could, but you're taking a big gamble. I got, I got one more for you guys. So I'm just saying, hold on, just to my last point on that. Yeah, if yeah. the Golden State Warriors were to get James Wiseman. The center that got uh, the yep. NCAA violation. Oh, because his fucking coach his, helped him yes. move. Jesus if they Christ. they get him, because right now with the oh ball, LaMelo ball, and there's a couple people in there that who knows who's going first. Ugh. Well, I think if Edwards on Georgia is going to win. Next year, they're winning. I'll even double down even further and say they're going to win. See, I hate it. Even when the Warriors, like... Fall, there's this like beautiful silver lining for them. I hate them so much. It took 25 years of losing perennially. <laughs> <laughs> my my San take Francisco. here, and this is a very hot, hot, boiling hot take. Um, <laughs> what? My take here would be: Am I crazy for saying this? I think defensive players and defensive play is absolutely crucial, and essential for success. That's, that's that's an obvious, right? That's a given. And I think defensive specialists get often overlooked when it comes to NBA ballots, all-star ballots, especially all-NBA. I think this should be the first season where a defensive specialist gets third-team all-NBA accolades, or at least in the conversation. And that guy is Marcus Smart on the Boston Celtics, the, the, the stretch six, he calls himself. I think the way he's played this season... How he's impacted the other guys around him, his tenaciousness as a defender, his ability to guard literally five guys on the court every given night, handle the most difficult responsibilities. I think he should be in discussion for not only Defensive Player of the Year, but a All NBA ballot, considering what he brings to the table defensively and how he much he how he impacts that team. Let's say guarding in the low post, Jason Tatum on a three or four, Smart can push him out and handle that six eight guy, oh, and yeah. I think. Marcus Smart's one of the most criminally underrated guys from a defensive level. 
And but the bigger thing I'm saying is I think defensive guys should get recognition as all NBA. They have defensive all NBA. Right, but I think like I know even all, all NBA. Yeah, yeah, they have all, all defense. defense. I know defense, but I, I, it doesn't have the same panache as an all NBA. Yeah, you can yeah, start, you yeah, talk yeah. about the supermax contract as well. But, Bradley Beal, for example, last season not getting the opportunity to get yeah. supermax, he wasn't included in the all yeah. NBA team. You know, there's certain the guys NBA, out there. All, look, offense sells. But hold on, if offense sells. And if if we're gonna do that, then we also gotta look at the offensive players that make first NBA teams and say how good are they at defense. Right, like, can we put Luka Doncic then on the first team definitively if, right. his, if his defensive rating is not that that's good? A fair, that's a fair question then. That's right. a fair question. The NBA then. good offense, tr- like great offense, tra- trumps good defense. Right, but the cri- like, the criteria you can't really is touch people anymore. It's not all offense. It's you have an all def- you have an all defense team. It's called all NBA. Yeah, all yeah. NBA is not can do is not simply just offense. So would you get rid of the all defensive team? Yeah, in that instance, I would. I think it's no, no, no. You just awarded to the Toronto Raptors of 2019, 2020. Exactly. Obviously, that's all. (laughs) No, and and you're right. Like defense, people talk about you know, oh, it's only offense now, blah blah blah. But as we defense has just changed, and that's why the and that's why the Raptors are so great on defense. We have a lot of rangy, right, uh, long athletes, and defending the three ball is now like the new defending the paint or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? We didn't Uh, do very well last night. Yeah, yeah. but no, you see what I mean? So like, defense hasn't. You know, left the game, but it has changed, right? Like I know they create the all defensive team just for recognition for guys like this, but if we're calling it all NBA, I think it should be merged together as one. Uh, I got one more. Ooh, let's go. Uh, am I crazy to say that the Bucks are going to win it this year? No, <laughs> it's the fucking any team. If when Giannis is on your team. You can win a championship. I don't give a flying fuck what your supporting staff is. You uh, can go to the fucking New York Knicks and win an NBA yeah, championship. Yeah, they, they they look good. Middleton hasn't even been there like for a good chunk of this. Uh, uh, I I don't think you're crazy, but I I still think it's un- unlikely. Unlikely. Yeah, like I think that whatever team comes out of the West is is better than the best team in the East. Like those three After, top teams in the West. Well, how would the clip through three seven game series? Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, no, it's pot. Like the West I said, it's being possible. that good also makes it harder to get there. Giannis needs, I think Giannis needs more support there. Right, exactly. I, my, my, if I'm looking at, let's say, a hypothetical situation where it's a Clippers Bucks finals, Kawhi Giannis cancel each other out. Let's throw that, like, say that. So we're talking about secondary stars. Paul George yeah. is obviously the best guy on the court. Right, he's, never, he's never been durable enough to get that far in a season. Right, right. I mean, you, I, I'm trying to look at realistically, right? Like, yeah. No, it's not. It's not far fetched, though. It's not at all. You're talking no. about the best team in the Eastern Conference, absolutely. But, they, but like we saw this last year. Like, once that the Budenholzer like system kind of breaks down and like the penetrating kicks. Still like, Hayden. Still Hayden. I really hate I his beard. He has the Amish beard, and if you look at him, if you, every time they zoom in on him, it looks like he's taking a shit. He Greg, has this, like, Greg famously looked. Greg famously coined him Budenschmuckle. Budenschmuck. Doing schmuck. I shouldn't be making fun of people's names. Like uh, my name is not right. You're you're a shittest. It's yeah. It's all it's all in good fun, right? No, he's a good <laughs> coach, but I just feel like that system. After they do that, then they have trouble creating in, in the half court. That's my own. And so Giannis is getting better at that, but it's still. Hopefully they can progress farther, but we don't want. I don't want the Bucks to win because I want Giannis to come to Toronto. I don't. I, I prefer the Bucks over Boston and Philly. That's in my true. Mind. Oh dear. So I guess that's why I've had this. This been, leaves us with nothing but. Are us to win. We yeah, must win. Exactly. All right, Greg, do you have a last one or are we? No, 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 no. You guys. All right, guys, we're going to jump into the fourth quarter. Greg's gripe in one second. 
Alrighty, let's finish the podcast with our favorite segment, sponsored by, sponsored not by. sponsored by, Diamonds Pizza. Uh, it is Greg's gripe. We are asking the hard-hitting questions surrounding the NBA and the NBA media. Uh, we're going to talk about something a little bit different this time around. And the question we're asking today, does metal belong in the microwave? Greg, what are your comments? I say yes. It depends for how long you put it in for. Great answer. Great answer. Metal does belong in a microwave. And switching points, I'm kidding. The bigger point we're trying to get to is the absurd comments. Or not the comments, but the animation by everyone's favorite hot take artist, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith was speaking, I believe, yesterday regarding the NBA. Um, We'll play the clip right now. I'm officially worried about the Philadelphia 76ers. And Max, I'd like you to... Uh, Give me a second here. As you know, I worked in Philadelphia for 17 years for the Philadelphia Inquirer. First first things first, to Joel Embiid. To Joel Embiid. What the hell was that? 32 minutes and zero points? Zero? What, What the hell was that? Mind you, Max Kellerman, Molly... The last time we saw Joel in a, in a playoff game, where did we see him? It was Toronto. What was he doing? Crying. I come on the air and what do I say to you, Max? This is a beautiful thing because it hurts him now. He's going to come out like a monster this year because he was crying. He was upset. You're in the hallway hugging your lady. Everybody looking at you like, damn, man up. We brought up Tom Hanks. In the league of their own, and there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in basketball. But we let it go. 32 minutes in your first visit back to Toronto since that moment that Kawhi Leonard broke your heart and sent you home, and you put up zero? Already, so... Obviously, he's a very animated, eccentric individual, but I think the biggest point, bigger point you're trying to make is that we're being, the rappers are being a little bit misrepresented within the NBA media machine. Stephen A. Smith is obviously the head of that machine or one of the head key heads of that machine. And I think, Greg, you kind of feel that we're being misrepresented. The rappers are not getting any love, even though we're sitting 12 and 4, tied for second place in the Eastern Conference without Kawhi Leonard. Greg, what is your gripe? Well, what else is new, right? What else is new? We have this amazing win last night. It's a shorthanded team that beats the 76ers, which is a team that Stephen A. Smith himself, for consecutive years, has picked to go to the finals. Mind you, I've seen this guy pick the Washington Wizards to go to the finals, so it doesn't really say much. The number one offense in the NBA, the Washington Wizards. But I was watching today... And not just First Take. I was watching all of these different shows, but First Take is actually the worst at this, right? Like, it's like they make no effort to engage fans north of the border, right? So it's it's just a, a complete washover regarding the play of Marcus Gasol, the great storyline that this Toronto Raptors team represents, right? It's team play, it's hustle, it's effort. It was a perfect opportunity for them to say, hey, you know what? We've undervalued this Toronto team. They're a legit contender in the East, at least in the East. But no, the entire clip, and mind you, look, I found the clip to be hilarious, right? Like, he hit about seven different octaves. Did I use that right, Brandon? I think that sounds about right. Okay, 
But it's that you can't, he can't give credit where it's due. The reason that Joel Embiid, like, it wasn't an anomaly that Joel Embiid had a bad game. Marcus Saul bothers him, right? The Raptors bother him. We've had the best of him. If you look last year in the playoffs, this is a continuation. Obviously, it's a particularly bad game. But, right, to not acknowledge the play of Marcus Saul, the defensive schemes of Nick Nurse, like, you know, and the frustrating thing is because then you look at the Canadian coverage of the team, which is all run by MLSC, right? So they're like incessantly positive all the time. Like it's hard to get good critical analyses of the team and the politics surrounding. That's why you should listen to the Toronto Basketball Matters podcast to get an even understanding about all the issues impacting the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, a nice critical (laughs) take, right? That the average fan can actually relate to. Because like right now we're getting two stories, right? That are told about the Raptors. The first is that and this is in the U.S. context, that we're not even relevant, okay? Uh, right Now now because we, we beat the Lakers and we went on that West Coast road trip, I think we we drummed up some support. And people in the real basketball community know and, and, and do respect the team, okay? But then you get the other view that is more represented by the ESPN hot take artists, right, who really just don't watch the team play at all and have no idea how good the team actually is and don't give credit where credit is due, right? Now, I was watching today on, um, you know, my favorite NBA show, The Jump, okay? Ugh. And Scottie Pippen was on. I like that show because they bring former players on. And the stuff that Scottie Pippen was saying, he was saying, well, you know, we're talking about Joel Embiid not having a good game, but Toronto deserves the credit. Marcus Saul's a great defender. That's the story. The story is about this plucky team that seems to still be a contender despite losing two of its veteran stars. Conventional wisdom would say that if you're going to take advice from a NBA member of the media, you would probably want to listen to someone who actually lived the NBA player experience, a former player, not some former beat writer um, covering sort of all, all sports in general. It's just crazy to me that Stephen A. Smith's opinion and insight is viewed through this gold standard when you look at it objectively and think for a sec that, you know, he, he does know what he's talking about, but he isn't an expert in NBA, nor is he an expert in NFL, nor is he an expert in MLB. He covers all, you know, all sports in general. So, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. And it's also just, you know, the, the not the context, but the value of the statements he's saying in the first place, the credibility behind his takes. It's entertaining, no doubt. And he's a great entertainer. But, again, disrespectful. Disrespectful because you're missing out on a wonderful story about a wonderful team right now. No, I I, I agree. Um, it's maybe not the most sexiest thing to bring up because obviously the NBA likes to talk about. Sorry, regarding the NBA, the media likes to talk about drama. There's not much drama going on with the Raptors. The team is obviously a success. But that's the story, then. You know, <laughs> like the story then becomes, oh, what a great team! Look at these great individuals sacrificing and not being selfish. They would rather cover, right? They would rather like it's like the Kyrie Irving show last year, right? You're you're spending all your time covering the Boston Celtics downfall instead of the rise of the Raptors, and because of that, they missed the whole show until the very end. Interesting podcast. I actually brought that up. I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast. He had Marcus Smart on, and that was a thing. Like uh, just you know, Kyrie's maybe passive aggression in the locker room. He also talked about um, Brad Stevens kind of feeding touches to an ailing Gordon Hayward. Um, yeah, I guess the NBA and the NBA media just like talking about downtrodden, depressing stories, not great, uplifting things like the Toronto Raptors. But you know, what do you expect? 
Yeah, I mean, what could we expect, though, from American culture, right? They, 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 they love the rise of the American dream, but they love the nightmare even more. From the wise words of Nate Diaz, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. Alrighty, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. You can catch us next week. We'll be uh, doing another podcast released next Wednesday. This one will be released tomorrow, so Wednesday, the 27th of November. Big shout to Miku Betlam for producing our podcast. Um, you can catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Tune in radio. Thank you very much Apple. for listening. Apple. Yep. Apple Podcasts. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Peace out, Toronto. Peace out, T Dot. Boop.